I appreciate you coming on and I want you to take as much time as you need on this because you have an incredible story uh, and we've talked about a lot of the things the things going on culturally now um, with police and all that stuff and career stuff but I want to talk about something that um, is really inspirational and I think that is such a story of victory and a story of how you know how positive you are as a person and it's one of it's, you know, God, it's one of the reasons why I respect you as a person is because of how I've seen you handle some of some of the worst adversity anybody that can go through. I mean, it, it's it's may not be the worst, but it's up there. Being faced with the idea of losing your mobility is one of the, to me is one of the most terrifying things in the world, like losing a family member losing your life and then that is it's kind of all up in that category for me so go ahead and and take it from the top and right. talk about what happened and yeah so let's take it back to july 3rd 2016 i worked a three-day weekend on uh patrol and uh, working as a street police officer in grand rapids and during that weekend, my buddy Terry McBee, a uh, guy I went to the academy with, we called him the old man because he was like 38 and I was 20, so he was the oldest guy in the academy. Well, he's got six kids. So he had asked me what my 4th of July plans were, and I didn't have any because that year it fell on a Monday and Tuesday, so the 4th and 5th was, the 4th was a Monday. So I was like, man, yeah, I could come up, you know, after work on Sunday. Once I became a cop, I had always wanted a motorcycle, so I, I bought a crotch rocket, and I went a little bit above and beyond and got a 1,000cc liter bike, <laughs> 06 ZX-10R with dual exhaust, Yoshimaros out the back. Uh, it'd probably go 200 plus. Wow. And you know, every time you would rev harder, downshift, it'd shoot blue flames out the back like two feet. <laughs> like It was pretty intense. Uh. And so I, I've always been an adrenaline junkie, and that's maybe why I became a cop, because yeah. I, I, I didn't have a lot of fear. I felt kind of unstoppable. And, and you know, I won't lie. I, I think that I thought the world revolved around me. Yeah. I was like, dude, nothing can stop me. I'm 21. I'm a police officer. And whatever I want, I'm going to get because I'm just going to physically and mentally do it. Nothing. I, I was physically able. Yeah. As, as about physically able as you could be. I was an athlete. I could move good. I could run, jump. And uh, I just felt unstoppable, especially on that bike. And so... I, I rode up that night after work. By the time I got up there, it was, it was dark. I was yeah. riding this bike in northern Michigan up in, like, Boyne area, way up north, like, north of Traverse City in the pitch block. Yeah. So it was a little scary. But so I get up there. They All the kids had a bonfire going, so we cooked hot dogs. We hung out, had a bonfire the 4th of July in that year, 2016. Uh, we get up. We went to a parade, and we came back to the house. And every year, actually, after that year, this stopped happening, but there was a – some sort of river raft race that you could chuck water balloons at the racers. <laughs> so we filled up, we get back from the parade and we filled up like a couple hundred balloons. I'd never seen it before. The ones that you could like, you hook up to the hose. Dude, and, those are awesome. And they, they fill up like 50 balloons yep. at the same time. And you just That's boom and they snap off and they tie. 
So we filled up like a bucket full of balloons and we're going to go chuck these at these people. I'm all excited. Well, I had my motorcycle and I also wanted to show it off. So I brought two helmets and I was going to bring it down to the, to Boynton city, drive around the lake, take some of his children on a ride. Yeah. Real nice and easy. And so, uh, originally he was going to take his Mustang, fill the family up. They're going to take the suburban. And then I was going to take his daughter Haley, who was 14 at the time. She was going to ride on the back of the bike with me, but of course, Jordan, uh, young buck, he was 12. He wanted to be the first one to ride on the back. I was like, well, just ask your parents. And uh, he went and asked them and they said, yeah, no problem. Go ahead. So I walk out and the mom's like, you know, just, you know, be careful. Oh yeah, of course. Always just like any any other time. And then my buddy Terry's like, Hey man, don't be gone long. Cause we're going to be going down to the lake and we, you know, we had plans. We're going to the lake. I had my bathing suit on a cutoff tank top Yeah. and the kid just had shorts and a t-shirt. And so we get out there, me, him, and his, his other brother, Casey, he's 11, 10 at the time or something. And uh, all three of us are standing there. And, you know, so I get him up on the bike, get the helmet strapped up on him. Uh, I strap my helmet up. I get his foot pegs down. And I'm like, hey, man. Like, at first he was reaching back to try to hold on behind him. I was like, nah, you're yeah. going to want to wrap around me and hard, as hard as you can. Like, squeeze me and hold on. Well, Terry had told Jordan, hey, man, go left. Tell Travis to go left. Once you hit so-and-so house, turn around, come back. Don't be gone long because we're going to leave. So I get out to the road and I go right. And Jordan's tapping on me. He's like, hey, man, my dad said to go left. And I was like, nah, man, we're going to go right because there's like curves and stuff over here. It's going to be fun. So we shoot down the road like two miles. And you got to understand, it's hard to it's hard to comprehend if you've never rode a super bike like that. But, dude, you could go from zero to 150 in like less than 10 seconds. And yeah. then from 150 to 80 miles an hour in a second and a half they're geared like you yeah. let off the gas and they decelerate so we went down i think we may have hit 100 was that irresponsible absolutely so we we go down and we we hit a driveway we turn around we come back and i've always been a show off <laughs> i don't know what it is but i just yeah. i always have so we're we're ripping man we're going back i'm doing like 70 80 who knows and i'm coming up into this curve and i knew that curve was tight and, and a bad curve It's a long, drawn-out curve, and it actually splits off into a dirt road. So anybody pulling out, turning right, they bring a bunch of gravel out. And I'm not going to make any excuses that was happening. I could have easily made that curve if I was going slower, but I was hauling ass. How fast I was going, probably, you know, who knows, 50, 60 by the time we came up into that curve, maybe even 70. I just remember I was in the middle of the road, and I'm leaning. And again, I got this kid on the back, so I'm not used to having a passenger really. And... We're leaning and I'm, I'm watching the road and it's getting smaller and smaller, meaning like I'm getting closer to the edge. And part of that was because there was loose gravel and I couldn't take it. I couldn't lean as hard. Like something yeah. just didn't feel right. And, and it all happens so fast, like everything does, right? And uh, next thing you know, man, I caught the edge and I had a decision to make. We were crashing. Mm. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. And this is that oh shit moment. I may, even, may have even said it. I decided to keep it up on two wheels. I could have laid it down, but I didn't think that that was the right thing to do. I kept it up. I braked hard and I shot it straight into the ditch. Well, that ditch was a 15 foot drop oh. from the top of the road. So we flew off. And uh, it's funny because I, I think I'm going to tell the true story of what happened. Was there a bird's eye view of a camera? Like what really happened? No. F- at first, everybody tried to make it out to be like I was a hero because the kid didn't get hurt. Uh but I'm no hero, man. I put us in that situation. The kid, when we got to the top of the, the, the road and we flew off, I think he flung off and he tumbled. I stayed on. Yeah. I could have bailed off, but I remember thinking, 
holy shit, I can't believe this is happening. Don't let the bike or you land on him and don't let the bike land on you. And so I stayed on, tried to ride it out like a dirt bike. And once I hit the bottom of the ditch, I just flipped up and I closed my eyes and the bike landed on top of me. And the way the doctor describes my injury, I basically uh, bent in the middle of my chest 90 degrees forward and then backwards. And oh. when I went back is when most of the damage occurred. So uh, I'm laying there and I rip my helmet off because I start freaking out. I had a shielded, like tinted uh, shield on my helmet. So it was like dark. I rip my gloves off. I rip my helmet off and I couldn't find Jordan. I couldn't. I was like, Jordan, Jordan. And uh, he's like 10, 15 feet away from me. Well, he's up on his feet. And I remember thinking... Like, it's funny how the mind works because I knew I was hurt. Yeah. I, I knew my back was broke or something was wrong. And I felt like he was hurt too. So I'm like, oh man, don't walk, don't walk. Well, he starts walking towards me and then he collapses and he starts to cry. So I'm thinking, oh boy, he's oh, it. he is geez. hurt. Yeah. So now I'm thinking, okay, let's get us out of here. How am I going to do it? For the first time in my life, I grew up on dirt bikes. I crashed a lot. Yeah. I've had a lot of crazy shit happen. I've always got back up every time. Yeah. Was it, did, what, did it hurt when I got back up? Absolutely. But this time there was no getting up and I, and I knew it. And I remember, uh, I had my phone in my wallet, in my pocket. I was wearing a bathing suit and it slipped underneath my leg. So it was underneath of me. I couldn't grab my phone to call for help. So I was basically helpless. I couldn't get up or call for help. And now I got a kid over here, potentially hurt. And I knew I was hurt Yeah. and the bike was on top of me and I was pinned under my back and like, I remember, I remember looking over on the ground and I'm like in a pile of debris. There was like a, a wood pile <laughs> that I happened to land in. Uh, and I remember looking over and I'm looking at my leg next to me mm. and I'm like, holy shit. I think my leg is ripped off my body. Mm. Next thing I know, I see my buddy Terry at the top of the ditch on a dead sprint and, uh, he, he's not the skinniest uh, guy and he's dead sprint run. I've never seen him run so fast in his life. He actually fell down the ditch a little bit. And I, I remember thinking that was kind of funny. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he just fell. And he gets over uh, there. He comes right to me. And I remember being like, you got to get to Jordan. You got to get to Jordan. He's like, no, you, he's okay. He didn't even go look at Jordan. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, he's not. He's not okay. And, uh, so he pulls a bike off of me, this 1,000cc big-ass Kawasaki Ninja, dude. He, he pulls it off of me, and he wheels it away like 10 feet, and then he just drops on the ground. And I remember also thinking, dude, what the fuck? My bike. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. There's a kickstand. After I just crashed it. It's just the funny things that you think about, right? And so he comes over to me, and he's like, and I'm freaking out because I knew when he, when he pulled the bike off me. You didn't feel it. I didn't feel it, and then I start feeling with my hands – I start feeling my body because I, I didn't sit up because I knew I'm like, all right, well, you are a police officer. Don't move. Yeah. Stay still. If something's wrong, stay still. So I didn't like try to sit up too much, but I'm feeling and I couldn't feel anything, dude. Mm. I couldn't feel anything from just below my nipples, maybe two inches. It would actually be my eighth thoracic vertebrae. So in your neck, you have seven cervical vertebrae and you have 12 thoracic and then yep. five lumbar. And then uh, the rest is, you know, coccyx and all that good stuff. So, uh, I broke my thoracic eighth and ninth. So right at T8 down to my toes, it was total paralysis. Wow. And it's, it's funny because I, I always try to figure out how to describe the way it felt. It felt a few different ways. Uh, it felt like my body was a big, basically like a, it exploded. It felt like a pool of mush. It felt like from my nipples up was the only thing I'd ever had. 
It mm. felt like the bottom of my body had never existed. Like it wasn't connected to my mind. That's wild. Dude, it was crazy. And I was, I was always uh, fearful of being paralyzed. That was like one of the things like, oh, I don't want to drown. I'm afraid of sharks, different things. Like I didn't want to be paralyzed. Yeah. You know, right when I felt that I knew right away and no, no knowledge or anything, education about spinal cord injuries, but I knew I had one. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is, I broke my back. I have so I'm freaking out. And I'm telling my buddy, I'm like, dude, you got to get me out of here. I need help. He's like, no, you're okay. You're okay. Like he was playing it off. He's a cop too. And I'm like, I was like, man, he was all calm. I'm like, no, you need to call 911. Like I need help. And he was like, they're already on the way. Just relax. Like mm -hmm. you're okay. Yeah. So that help was on the way, but I didn't realize it. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm feeling myself and I I'm like, oh my gosh, like it just felt like it was it, it, like it exploded. And I was just like, like it was like all mushy, like it all disintegrated almost, you know? And so two cops show up and they start questioning me about like if I was wearing a helmet and uh, they're asking me these questions and I'm like, I can barely breathe at this point. Like I'm not trying to talk at all. And so I told Terry, I'm like, dude, grab my wallet, give it to him. Just everything's there. Just give it to him. And I remember telling him, Hey, I'm a police officer. I felt bad. I felt yeah. stupid. I was like, I can't believe that I'm in the situation. And I remember like, I felt like they just needed to know that I was one of them I was doing the same profession as them and that I was devastated in that moment. I literally felt like my life was completely over. I was like, Oh my God. Cause I knew how serious it was. Yeah. I knew that I was paralyzed and I was like, Oh my gosh, I am never going to walk again. I'm never going to be able to be a cop. That was like the only thing I could think about at the time. I was like, I, I'm not going to be a police officer. I just ruined my whole entire life. I ruined my whole career. I just worked so hard to get, I just lost everything. And then I started thinking even deeper than that. I'm like, Oh my God, how am I ever going to have kids? How am I going to go to the bathroom? How am I going to have yeah. kids? How am I going to how am I going to meet a girl? How am I am I, I going to have a house and family? All these crazy things, dude, were running through my mind. And then the whole family comes down, and uh, thankfully their their aunt was a doctor, so oh, she gets down, okay. and she uh, starts. I t at the time I, I wasn't in any pain at first, and then she put her hand underneath my back because I, I felt like there was a log or a stick literally coming through my back and coming out of my chest it felt like there was something like yeah yeah like i was getting stabbed which i was uh i did get a little bit of a laceration in the back uh it looks like like a small mole was removed or something and uh so i had some cuts and some stuff like that but uh so she was sitting there and i this is my mind so messed up but she's leaning over and uh I made a joke and I was like, you know, I was like, at least if I'm going to die right now, uh, your boobs are in my face. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody started laughing. The kids were around and I couldn't believe I said it. Oh but I, I did. gosh. And I was like, you know, I was like, could be, could be worse. And she starts laughing. I was just, cause everybody was, they, they just looked so scared. Yeah. Everybody looked so freaked out, which was freaking me out. So I'm like, man, I got like the, the one girl that was supposed to be on the bike, Haley, she was holding my shoes cause they fell off. I was wearing tennis shoes. They were totally gone off my legs. They were like hanging. They were like off in the ditch. She's holding my shoes at the top of the hill and just, she was in shock. Yeah. Everybody was in shock. They couldn't believe. I was like in a really nasty position. Like my leg was behind me and yeah. I was all twisted up. And, uh, dude, the, these people got there and, uh, there was like two ambulances, a fire truck. There was probably 12 to 15 people there, professionals. Yeah. And I, I still felt like. I felt ridiculous that I, I had to give these guys work. Like, I'm like, man, they shouldn't have to be here. And uh, this guy 
took over. He was like in charge. He was directing my care. He was like, you grab here, you grab here. And they, they got- Was he an EMT? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so they got me straight. They, they straightened my body out. That was painful. I remember that. That sucked. They needed to do it. I knew they needed to do it. They just took over. I'm just laying there, man. It felt like, I don't know, man. It was like I was a bird. It wasn't like a bird's eye view feeling, but it was like, like I was like sunken in the ground. Like, I don't know. It was, it was a weird feeling. And all these people were around me and I didn't know what was happening. I, did, I couldn't tell what they were doing because they were touching my body and moving it. And I didn't even know it. Couldn't feel it. Mm-hmm. So they get me straight and they roll me up on my side to check for that laceration I kept complaining about. But really, it was just my broken vertebrae. Yeah, right. Starting to, the pain was starting to kick yeah. in. At this point, I'll never truly know the exact time, but there was a good half hour, 45 minutes that went by. Uh, at this point, I'm still in the ditch. They get me straightened out they get me up on a a gurney Mm -hmm. and i remember telling them uh oh please be careful please be careful and i'm like thank you so much like i was like appreciative like yeah i I couldn't stop thanking them for being there because i knew that they were saving my fucking life yeah because i couldn't get up and do any i was helpless dude and like i was like totally aware of the situation and what was going on i was totally there they had to literally pass me up and hand me up the ditch because they couldn't just walk up yeah that steep so they get me up into an ambulance. I'm like asking them, I'm like, like, what does my body look like? Like, they're like, because it felt like it was, it felt like it was bloated. Mm-hmm. It felt very big and full of like blood or something. I don't know. It was weird. And uh, they're like, no, you know, you, it appears normal and stuff. And they start testing my sensation with like a needle and they end up drawing a line with a magic marker across my chest. That was my level of, of uh, feeling. Yeah. And then I remember thinking, wow, this is, this is crazy. He starts to the guy looks at me and I'm like thinking I'm going to die. Like I, I was having trouble breathing. It was hot. It was like 92 degrees out. My mouth was like super dry and I just kept asking them for a drink. Well, they couldn't give me a drink. Uh, my body wouldn't have been able to take the water. You're not supposed to drink or eat anything when you get injured like that. So I was like, you need to give me something. Like I need something. So they gave me a washcloth with water and I yeah. sucked on that. And then, uh, the guy looks at me and he's like, listen, he's like, you're going to be okay. I was a paramedic in Iraq and Afghanistan for nine years. I've seen way worse and you're going to be okay. And like, he, he was like my angel that day, dude. That's awesome. He was so confident and, uh, he just took control of the whole situation. And I just knew I'm like, this guy's got me, like, he's going to save my life. So there was him and then another older guy, uh, had to be in his like early sixties, maybe late fifties. And, uh, it was hot. He was like sweating and he was dripping sweat in my face. And I was like, called him on. I'm like, dude, you're, you keep dripping sweat in my face. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, it's okay. And then, uh, he's I was like, like, he's probably hot. on the inside. Like I'm saving your life. Quit bitching. I know. <laughs> I, I know it was ridiculous. I was trying to drink the sweat. Probably. I was like, man, anything. Mm-hmm. That's pretty gross, but <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. So anyway, we're in the, we're in this ambulance, and then the guy that was the uh, Iraq and Afghanistan paramedic, he goes, he gets on the radio and he asks for a helicopter, and I remember thinking, thank God, like that's a good thing. And then I remember thinking, holy shit, that's really serious. Yeah, they're gonna fly me out of here. Mm-hmm. But I knew I was in the middle of nowhere. Like I was up in Boyne, yeah. the local hospitals in Traverse City, like an hour away in a car. Traverse City or Petoskey or yeah. Gaylord. So. Uh, the dispatcher comes over and they're like, yeah, Aeromed's gassing up. They're going to be like 20 minutes before they can get up in the air. Mm-hmm. And he gets on the air. This could be totally in my mind. Maybe he didn't say this, but I swear he did, man. He he literally, I think he did. He said, from what I remember, because when he asked, okay, so he says, 
He gets up back on the air after they told him that they weren't going to be able to get a helicopter going for 20 minutes. He goes, we have a 21-year-old Grand Rapids police officer in critical condition. You get a helo in the air now. Something very similar yeah. to that. And they didn't say anything for like what it seemed like an eternity, but it was like maybe 20 seconds of silence on the radio. And they get back on the air and they're like, yeah, we got one in the air now. They got a different helicopter coming from somewhere else. Gotcha. And so uh, this dude like had me, man. He, That's awesome. He had me with, like, he saved my life along with all these other people too. I don't want to give him all the credit. Uh, we're, we're driving the ambulance to uh, East Jordan to go to an airport to fly out to, to Munson, Traverse City. And they start like unpackaging something. And I knew, I was like, okay, they're going to give me drugs. And I remember being so freaked out by the idea of that because at that point, I was I felt like I was only surviving and staying alive based on my my mental state. I was like fighting mentally yeah. to to stay like alive. I felt like and I was worried that if they gave me the drugs, whatever they were going to give me, that I wouldn't be in control anymore. Mm. And I remember it brought me back to when I was 5, I watched my grandpa die in the hospital bed where he was just drugged up and he didn't know we were there and he thought there was a kitten that he was petting and he mm -hmm. was he was loopy and I'm like, yeah. man, I don't want to be like that. I'm going to fight just enough so that my parents can see me die and my family can be there at the hospital. I'm going to fight as long as I can and I don't give a shit how much pain I'm in because I was in a shit ton yeah. of pain. It was getting unbearable. I, I, was, I advocated. I was like, listen, no, don't give me whatever you're going to give me. What they were going to give me was fentanyl because I ended up giving in eventually. Here's where we get to the, the uh, airport. And my buddy shows up. We're waiting for the helicopter to land. I see my buddy come in through the side door of the, of the ambulance. And when I saw him, I think that was the first moment that I realized what had happened. I was like, holy crap. This is my life. Like, this is real. Yeah, this is real life. This is real. This is not a drill. Well, unfortunately, that realization put me into a panic attack. And at that point in time, I had probably been the most critical that I'd ever been uh, at that point, I, I was like panting. I was breathing heavy. The anxiety, the stress, yeah, the pain, sure. everything was hitting me all at once. And it, you were going into shock, basically. Dude, it was bad. Yeah. I was freaking out. And they realized that. And I was like, hey, I was like, you know, give me what you were going to give me. And as I say, like what I was saying, like I could barely get those words out. Yeah. Like it was so hard. I was like trouble breathing. He literally says, hey, the helicopter is about to be here in two minutes. We need to get you into that helicopter as as immediately, as soon as possible. We don't got time to do that now. And I was like, okay. And right as he said, right as I said, okay, he just starts unpackaging something and mm -hmm. boom. Hit you with Hit it. me with yeah. fentanyl right into the bloodstream. And immediately he said, count back from 10. I hit seven and no more pain, no more anxiety, no more stress. Yeah. I was like, good to go. Helicopter lands. They get me up into the helicopter which it was funny because it was badass. I remember thinking it was badass. I'm like, this is so cool. Yeah. I've always wanted to be in a helicopter. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't think it'd be like this, but how cool is this? And uh, I was like pumped. I was excited. Yeah. And uh, we get up in there and, and I had to tell everybody I was a police officer because I was so proud of it, dude. I'd wanted to be a cop since I was five and I was so proud. And so I'm like, man, I'm a police officer. And, and he goes, yeah, I heard that you, are you were a Grand Rapids police officer. He's like, uh, I'm so-and-so's brother. And I was like, no kidding. And uh, like, I don't know what our conversation was like, but it felt like we were just talking back and forth. It was just me and him in the back and there was two guys in the front flying this thing. Mm -hmm. 
he goes, yeah, I'm so-and-so's brother. And I was like, holy crap. Like I was just on a call with him the other day where there was a shooting and we cleared a house out and stuff. And, uh, so we're talking back and forth and he's like, here, and he's like, uh, let me give you some, let me give you something to, to help you. Like with pain i was like they just did and he's like well i'll give you a little bit more and he gave me it Atta was morphine oh <laughs> and I, I passed out right after oh, that dude man. i woke up i woke up uh i honestly i i don't remember landing at the hospital i remember anyway we, we get into this hospital and i'm in munson and i uh the nurses come out there and they come back and i had done a bunch of like mris and stuff like that and i don't remember any of it but i do remember nurse coming in and asking me i remember her telling me that there was no doctor there that was going to touch me. So you're like, listen, our 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 doctor that's going to do the surgery, he's too fatigued. He's going to have to come in from the front of your stomach. He's going to have to cut you down the stomach and remove your organs and work on your spinal cord from the front. It's an eight to 12 hour surgery. He's too fatigued. He's not able to perform it. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go? And I was like, well, what are my options? And she was like, you can go to U of M in Ann Arbor, or we could fly you down to Spectrum Butterworth in Grand Rapids. And when I heard the word Grand Rapids, I was like, like get me home. ding, 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 let's yep. go home. Yep. So uh, I said, yeah. So let's wait, go. hold on, backtrack real quick. Yep. Where did they fly you to from East Jordan? They flew me from East Jordan to Traverse City in Montana. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. It was like a 20-minute flight, no big deal. Yep. It was easy. I slept half the way. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we get there. And so my sister was there. She made it there. And again, it's 4th of July, dude. Everybody's, it's like my favorite day of the whole year, Independence yep. Day. I, you can, what I'm about to say, people would be like, they'd beg to differ maybe, but I ruined a lot of people's day. It sucked to have to put everybody through that, even the professionals, man, because uh, the guy that was a paramedic, and I don't know if it had anything to do with me, but I think that everybody's a product of what they go through every day, day in and day out. Everything hits in a way, maybe you're not realizing it, but like, I mean, that, that guy has seen a lot, and I think that I affected his mental state because I think he took some time off being a paramedic shortly after that. Really? Um, I kept in touch with these guys. They looked, they've actually found me, and one of the paramedics, uh, the guy that was sweating on my face, uh-huh. he came down to visit me like twice. That's outstanding. Yeah, dude. That's so cool. I know. And wow. so what's crazier is is the guy that flew the Aeromed helicopter from Munson to Spectre and Butterworth in Grand Rapids was another one of the police officers who now is retired. It was his son. No kidding. Yeah, dude. And so they didn't know who I was, but they knew yeah. where I worked. And they're yep. just like, I think it, I think they told me when they picked me up, they're like, hey, like, you know our dad, I think. And I was like, oh, yeah. Even though I probably didn't know. I was like, yeah, I sure do. There's a lot of guys that work there. So anyway, they flew me down to Grand Rapids. And I was always really fearful of surgeries, too. That was one of my fears is getting put under. Because, again, it's a control thing. You don't have any control when you get put under. You don't know if you're going to wake back up. Yep. So... We get down there, and uh, dude, it was really amazing. the The chief at the time, David Rahinsky, was there, and all oh, a bunch of captains and lieutenants, and a bunch of patrol officers that I knew, and my whole family's at Grand Rapids. Everybody was there, dude. And uh, one of our uh, deputy chiefs, Dan Savage, at the time when he found the news out, he was already like almost halfway up to Traverse City, and then he got the the word that I was going to be flown into Grand Rapids, and uh, he was like at home. He like got in his car and just started driving up because wow. when I got hurt. Uh, I forgot to mention this part where right when my, before anybody got there, like cops or an ambulance, fire truck, I told my buddy, I was like, man, I was like, I need you to make some calls for me. Cause I was like, dude, I'm going to die. Like mm-hmm. I'm not making it out of this one. I was like, you need to make some calls. And uh, the first call was to my parents and they didn't know I had a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Left that detail out. Whoops. They didn't need to worry about that, man. Yeah. They, they were already freaked out as a cop. I told them, I was like, here, call, call my, uh, call my mom. And then I immediately was like, no, no, don't call my mom. Call my dad. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they don't know I have a motorcycle. 
And so he calls my dad and tells him what's up. And then the second call was to, I said, look at my phone and call 04. And that was the the, uh, guy that was working lieutenant that day, the command staff. I needed work to know what happened. Yeah. That, that was like, I, I needed them to know immediately what was going on. So they, he calls, you know, Lieutenant and tells him what was going on. It was, uh, I believe, Lieutenant Hungry at the time. They call him and let him know so they could send the email out and notify everybody what happened. And then the third call was uh, to an ex-girlfriend. Who <laughs> 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 shall leave, remain nameless. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave that name out. Uh, she knows who she is. But uh, <laughs> So yeah, I was like, you got to call her. She needs to know how you know, because I thought I loved her. No, I was kidding. I I'll always love her. But uh, he doesn't love you, Becky. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> yeah, that's why we broke up. Because I was like, this this ain't gonna work. Everybody's calling you. Everybody says they've been with you. So, <laughs> Karen. No, but uh, so he he called my ex and told her what happened. I felt like she needed to know, because uh, I was like, man, sure, yeah. Anyway, we get down to Grand Rapids and the. The doctor comes in and like everybody just wanted to know. They're like, "Man, is he going to be paralyzed?" Like we just need to know. Yeah. And uh, I knew I was paralyzed. I couldn't feel anything, dude. Nothing. The doctor comes in and he says, he asked me, he's like, "What do you know about your injury?" And I told him, I was like, I looked at him, I was like, "I'm paralyzed." And I kind of thought he was going to say, "Yeah, but like I'm going to fix you and you're going to be just fine." He was like, "Yes, you are." He's like, "You have an incomplete spinal cord injury," and uh, he's like, "You're going to be a paraplegic." And I was kind of shocked, but I was like, okay, like, I know. Like, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Like, I know there's something wrong. And so uh, I was just ready to go get surgery because by then it's been like nine hours. And mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still laying with a broken back and flown all over the state. Yeah. I want to get this shit fixed. So he told me, he's like, he, gra- he grabbed my shoulder. I broke my collarbone and my shoulder blade on one side. And then I tore a muscle on my left shoulder. And like, it was like the bicep that connects into a rotator cuff. So he grabs onto my shoulder and he's like, it felt like he grabbed so hard, but he like grabs it and he starts rubbing it. And I was like, ah, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, it's okay. He, he told me, he looks at me in the eyes and he's like, he's like, listen, he's like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to throw some screws in there, some rods. I'm going to get you all sturdy and strong. Um, but what happens after this, after the surgery is above me and you brother. And I was like, I understand. And mm-hmm. I knew what he meant by that. He meant like, Hey, this is in God's hands. Yeah. You know, at this point, whatever happens, it's, it's nothing that me and you can change. Now, let me ask you this. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you here yeah, go ahead. briefly. Um, at that point in your life, what was your what was your faith background like? I mean, my faith still isn't where I wish it was. It's 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 uh, it can always be stronger. I think at that time, it's it's a it's a lot stronger now, but it wasn't very strong. Like I, I believed in Jesus Christ. I was a Christian, but during that period of time, uh, I definitely was was thinking a lot more about hopefully there's more, you know. And yeah. so I, I just believed from the second that it happened. Like once I was like in all these people's care, I was like, everything's just going to be okay. Cause I would pass the part I was going to die. I wasn't worried about that anymore. And I just felt so blessed. I felt so, so thankful. And I think part of that was because this kid, Jordan was fine. Yeah. Dude, they took him to the hospital. He had no broken bones. He had some bruising and some scratches, but nothing that scarred or nothing. Yeah. So so that was a weight lifted off your shoulders yeah, man. right I just from felt, the get-go. I felt fine. Yeah. I was like, I can die, but I can't live with this yeah. kid getting hurt or dying. Yeah. So I just felt so blessed and so thankful that this, and the amount of support I had right off the bat, like we can get into it, but man, it's a long story. I'll, I'll just try to keep it somewhat brief, but like the amount of support I had was uh, something that you literally could never put into words. It yeah. was a remarkable thing, man. These people just, the level of care, everybody was there and man, everybody was, the thing that bothered me the most was like, 
everybody seems so so sad so upset so scared and i was like i'm okay yeah i'm okay like i'm fine I'm laying here i'm alive like everything's fine i was also pretty high on drugs <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like i'm doing a lot better than uh, you are you just right. don't know it <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty funny yeah man so then this guy goes in he's like i'm just gonna be like a three-hour surgery and uh it was no big deal so he went in there, he threw eight screws, two rods that are like 12 inches long. So I'm fused from my sixth thoracic vertebrae down to the 11th. I came out of surgery and they weren't going to let anybody come in and visit me at that time because yeah. I just literally got out of surgery. <laughs> no, you can't tell those guys what to do. They, yeah. they all, a bunch of guys came in and saw me that were working that night. There was like maybe like 12 guys in my room mm-hmm. and I come out of surgery and I'm even, even more high and I'm yeah. cracking jokes, dude. <laughs> getting these guys laughing. Yeah. I remember seeing one guy and I was like, Hey, I won't name his name cause he's married now, but and he, you know, whatever. I was just joking, but I was like, Hey man, I was like, stay away from my sister. <laughs> Like, leave my sister alone because my uh, sister's a pretty girl that's funny so, uh, yeah man I was just trying to make light of the situation because I hated seeing all everybody so upset yeah for sure so to get the details out I, I stayed in the ICU for 8 days I was having some major complications like all those narcotics it makes you like bound up like you can't go to the bathroom yeah. so they remember telling me they're like listen if you're gonna if you want to feel better we need to get you off these crazy pain meds and i'm like okay let's do it mm-hmm. so i went on tylenol for a few days yeah but then i was having trouble with my lungs and so they, they thought it was going to get just better on its own but i had fluid build up mm-hmm. so they had to put ports in on both sides oh. uh, which was actually worse than breaking my back dude those things sucked mm-hmm. so they put a little tiny little tube like they just put like one stitch on it and they stitch them right in the back of your back between your ribs and your into your lungs and it drains the fluid out into a accordion and that accordion fills up and then the nurse will come in and squish that accordion and it pumps into a bag mm-hmm. blood clots and blood and fluid and shit they put those in and after that i was like yeah get me back on the dilated yeah <laughs> get me back on the pain mats because it was just too much pain man mm-hmm. and so like they didn't mess around they're like sitting me up like Literally like two days later, yeah. day later, they're getting me, trying to get, sit me up in bed with mm-hmm. a TLSO, a turtle shell back brace. Uh, they're trying to sit me up. And anytime I went over 30 degrees, I was blood pressure, boom, drop. And I was like passing out. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how quickly your body can change as far as atrophy. And then like, like that, for example, like I had spent, I had an injury and then I was on my back for so long, like for whatever, say 24 hours. And anything over 30 degrees, I was passing out. Wow. And it was, I would get super lightheaded. I'd feel sick and I'd start to go out. And then they'd lay me back down and I'd feel okay again. So crazy. I'm not sure exactly what that is. We can get a nurse in here and then <laughs> figure that out. But uh, anyway, so I spent eight days in the ICU. At one point, one of the physical therapists, as they tried to sit me up, they uh, had their hand down and it caught the tube and then they pulled me up and it ripped out, Ooh. ripped out one of the ports. And I was doing pretty good because I got back off the pain meds, and uh, then they had to run me down, put it back in. And I, uh, I was like, "You guys gotta give me something." So they, yeah. so then they did. But uh, yeah, man, for like f- the f- first few days, uh, I didn't even know I was going to the bathroom. Like I was shitting myself. <laughs> they were catheterizing me, and uh, I had no idea, dude. Yeah. I was just laying there. They get me to Mary Freebed. I remember this lady. I can bring her name up. She, she'd be like, "You better say my name, mm-hmm. Kristen Dutler." So she works for Mary Freebed and Inspector Butterworth. She gets people to transition. A stone's throw from here, by the way. Oh, yeah. 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 Real close. Mm-hmm. I hung out there for about good old, just under four months. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Mary Freebed. Kristen gets me. She comes in my room and she introduces herself and she's like, hey, like, I'm going to get you into Mary Freebed and we're going to get you rehabilitated there. And I felt so, and I want to really talk about this. 
I felt so alone, dude, because for the first few days, for those first eight days, I was completely alone. I had tons of people there, but I was alone because I felt like nobody in the world has ever had a spinal cord injury. Yeah. I was in my own mind and I just felt like I was the only one that was going through that mm-hmm. because all these people were coming and crying on my legs and they're like, can you feel this? And I'm like, no. And everybody was just devastated. I'm paralyzed. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I can't yeah. feel shit. It was just crazy. I get into Mary Freebed and I and she told me she's like you're gonna meet a lot of these guys I can't name their names because of HIPAA stuff but uh, you're gonna meet them I'm sure you will so it didn't take long before I had a little group of guys that were all injured and we became really good friends and for like three months three and a half months we spent together and we went through that together man and that was honestly if I could go back I would spend probably the rest of my life in those three months really yeah. why yeah, because. It was the most amazing time. The The amount of care I was receiving, the, the nurses, the people coming in and seeing me, like it felt like a movie, dude. Like it was amazing. And the guys I was in there with, we were the like as close as you possibly could be to a human. I haven't had children yet, so maybe I'm just totally way off. But like that connection, dude. We These guys, we all went through this, this crazy thing that were very similar. And we were going through that together. And... Uh, it was just amazing, man. Yeah. Like we were crying together, strangers. We were strangers, but then we were like immediately brothers. The bond that we, the bonds that we built together was just the best, man. And so like, I look back at those, at those, like the first couple of weeks were horrible because I was in so much pain, but then I started getting better. And uh, I probably didn't have any movement in my legs for like the first like 10 to 12 days. Once I got into my free bed, one of the nurses came in, her name was Jacqueline. She was actually a physical therapist. Um, and uh, she was grabbing my leg and she was pulling it out to the side and having me try to bring it back in. She was like trying to have me think about moving it. And then all of a sudden she jumps up, she starts like smiling and she's like, oh my God. And I was like, what? She's like, I just felt, I just felt something move. And we, oh, had, we had like a connection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, she was a very like spiritual woman. I felt yeah. And man, a muscle twitched in my leg because I was thinking about moving it. Oh. And from that moment, it like had a hope, hope reinstilled yeah. in myself. And I was like, dude, holy crap. Like, I think I actually might be able to do this. And that, from that moment on, I started moving that leg and I started moving it. I would dream about it. I would lay there all night thinking about moving my legs back and forth together, moving them back and forth together. And and one time I was dreaming and I, I thought I was awake and I thought I was moving them, and I woke up and they weren't moving. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was crazy. You know what's funny is, is uh, I don't think that I actually cried about what happened until like a month later. It was like in the middle of the night, and every two hours I had to be woke up to get moved because I didn't want to get. They didn't want me to have a bed sore. I finally felt comfortable, and these nurses come in. They're like, "Hey, we gotta move you," and I was like no, no, I'm good. And they're like, no, we have to. And I was like, no, please. Like, I'm finally comfortable. Just let me lay here. And, uh, cause you couldn't get no sleep every two hours. They're moving you. Yeah. And then they'd move you and then you're in pain again. Yeah. So they, they move. they just, they, they were in charge. So they moved me and they walked out and I was by myself. And I just, I remember just staring at the TV. I think it was just like, like the main menu and I just lost it. And I think that's when I thought about God the most in that moment. I lost it, dude. I, I just cried and cried and cried for, for like for like a half hour. I cried and I was just like, this fucking sucks. Yeah. And, and I remember just praying, 
I was just like, I'm just going to start praying. And uh, so I just started praying and woke up the next day, get back at it. And I started doing PT and things just started progressing and progressing. And next thing I know, dude, uh, I got people coming in there and I'm, I, the first thing I was really focused on was moving my leg to try to pretend like I was driving a car. Mm-hmm. It was that motion. Cause I'm like, I gotta be a cop again. I'm going to have to brake and gas pedal a car yeah. all day. That's a pretty important thing. So I'm focusing on that and I'm doing that now at that point with my right leg and we're posting videos on Facebook and like a little page and stuff. Uh, it's actually still on there. I don't really post on a whole lot, but I intend to sometimes, but it's Fonte's road to recovery. You need to post this on there. We should. We're going to, we're going to, that'd be cool. We are going to clip this uh, in yeah. YouTube form and we're and you need to put it on this page. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Man, that had a lot of support on it. And yeah. uh, so my sister and family would like post on it daily and stuff. So people would get updates and man the inspiration that it gave people were so awesome that was one of the coolest thing was the, being able to inspire someone that's why it was so fun like the, those those months in the beginning were just amazing yeah man. and the amount of recovery i was getting and the, and the stuff i was getting back like feeling came last like i still can't feel some stuff but like the movements were coming back and and they were trying to teach me how to live in a wheelchair and i just couldn't accept it i was like no nah. Like, they're like, no, we need to, like, they'd, like, put me in a room and, like, they'd rip the sheets off a of bed and go here and put it back together. I'm like, first off, I don't make my bed <laughs> to begin with before this. Yeah. So I'm not fucking making it now. And they're like, no, you need to. I'm like, no. And I was I was pretty, uh, yeah. I was pretty bad patient sometimes. So when was it that in this entire recovery process where you realized, holy shit, I'm going to walk again? Right that moment when I moved that, when I had that twitch. When did you see it come to fruition? When did you like? From, I mean, to be July Fourth, you had your accident to you taking your first steps. How many months went by before that happened? Oh, dude, it was like, I mean, when I say first steps, we're talking two people on both sides, yeah, and, and multiple yeah. with a walker and and KFOs, knee, ankle, foot orthotics on both yeah. sides. Probably like, like. Less than 30 days. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So you were yep. getting back after it really quick. Yep. The fact that you're a 21-year-old, very in shape, that had something to do with it that, helped. I imagine. It helped. Yeah. I actually have a very unique spinal cord injury. It's called Brown-Sicord syndrome. Okay. Sicord, S-E-Q-U-A-R-D. You can get that through a disease genetically, and but mostly it's through trauma mm-hmm. to the spinal cord. So Brown-Sicord uh, syndrome is uh, unique because... You either injure your spinal cord completely and you sever it and you're a complete paraplegic or quadriplegic or you have a partial injury where it's incomplete, meaning like it's still intact, but you're, you have paralysis. So I had that, but then they realized there was something different going on and I had brown cord. So there's like a two to 5% chance of that happening. What that means is, is that when I injured my spinal cord, I injured a, a, a side of it. So right now, four years later, my right leg, ever since I really regained everything back, because I had a lot of swelling. So yeah. that was part of it. When yeah. the swelling starts, you can have swelling up to 18 months. Mm-hmm. When you hurt your back and hurt your spinal cord, you can have swelling for 18 months. And that can restrict a lot of Oh, the, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So my right leg, all the way up to my hip and up into my back, I don't feel pain or temperature. Like, I feel pain, like, in a way, but it's not like you poke me with a needle and you're like, ow, dude, what the fuck? That yeah. hurt. No, it's like... I'll start to like twitch or have something weird feeling and I'll know something's wrong. Like your body kind of senses it, but I have t- total mobility and I have what they call proprioception on my right side, which means I know where my body's at in space. I have a perception of uh, space. So I, I know where that leg's at so I can drive. 
uh, I can move that. I can move my right leg enough, and I know right where it's at without looking down. Here's the kicker, and here's where I struggle the most: is my left side. I have no proprioception at all, so mm. it's phantom leg. Without gotcha. without focusing and looking and and really aware of my my body when, where I'm stepping, I can't tell where it's at. So when it's pitch black. Uh, or I'm not looking down, I can't tell if that leg's going forward or not really. I can feel the ground though, so that helps, but I can't tell where it's at. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes it difficult, especially mm-hmm. when I'm drinking and stuff. <laughs> I used to be able to drink 12 beers and just stumble around. Yeah. Now it's like six and You're I'm You're going to fall on your ass. Yeah. yeah. Some people out there, they've experienced that. <laughs> they've helped me. So anyway. Shout out to Lily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, so... Uh, my my left leg though I feel pain and temperature like it's pretty close like this uh, the feeling of it feels pretty good uh, but yeah man like I it's crazy like I, I don't care talking about it I'm totally open I, I couldn't actually piss on my own without having to catheterize myself for a whole year oh my god yeah dude oh I, you that's know that's brutal you know, I'll tell you what I, I can get introduce you to 10 paraplegics quadriplegics and they'll tell you being in a wheelchair is the easiest part you have a chair all damn day. You're yeah. sitting down. It's great. Here's the tough thing is trying to go to the bathroom, dude. That's it it affects your organs. Like a lot of people just, they're uneducated because why would you look up that unless you're going into that field? Yeah. Spinal cord injuries affect a lot of things, man. And they affect your organ function. Your spinal cord, effect, uh, they, they controls yeah, your organs. And mostly sure. it affects proprioception, your bowel and bladder, and it could affect even other organs as well. Everything kind of works slower. So thankfully, dude, I got, I got all that back. Um, but you know, it's not hundred percent. Like I still like, I'll go to, I'll have to pee really bad. And like, I just go like a tiny little bit. I'm yeah. Like, Seriously. <laughs> and I sit back down, I'm like, I got to pee again. Yeah. It is interesting, but man, I don't have to do that anymore. And that was like the biggest, like, I think that was even better than walking. I was like, dude, it's, it's incredible perspective you have though, because what person thinks about, man, I'm grateful that I can just walk upstairs and take a piss right now. Like you have that taken away from me. And you. I'm so glad that I have that because I didn't before, and like I talked about at the beginning of this conversation, I was 21, I was a cop. Dude, I would never change what happened. You don't know how many days, even today, I get so frustrated with myself, with what I have to deal with. But I heard Joe Rogan talk about this today on this podcast. I'm like, without struggle, like struggle keeps you in check. Yeah. I think I need, I think God was like, listen, dude, you're fucking crazy. You're out of control. Here's this, deal with this. Every day you're going to keep yourself in check. Mm-hmm. And it does. And I think I needed that to happen because uh, I was on a path to uh, destruction and things would have went bad. You know, I don't as much as I want to think that I was meant to be a police officer. Maybe I wasn't, you know, who knows? But uh, what happened was meant to happen and I would never change it. I would go through it over and over again. And simply because not only my perspective changed, but. I got to meet some awesome people, dude, some awesome doctors and nurses and stuff like the, this opportunities that I've had. I got to speak at a gala fundraiser, which is uh, a fundraiser that Spectrum Butterworth puts on. Mm-hmm. And every year it's a different topic. Last year was a uh, spinal cord injury. And I got to go up there and speak in front of uh, just over like, it was like 2,100 people. That's awesome. Dude, it was awesome. Yeah. It was super cool. I, raised, I probably helped raise like more money than what they would have. Yeah. Cause people were like, ah, oh, this poor bastard. Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really amazing, man. And just opportunities and stuff and the perspective change and the daily struggle. It's, it's, uh, I think that everybody needs to struggle a little bit. And uh, yeah, dude, it was, it's a, it was crazy. It was a crazy thing to go through. But I'm still recovering. I'm still trying to get back. Is I think that if I can get back to 
a position where I could be a cop again, I would. I would do it just for like a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for a couple of days. And I'm like, all right, see ya. Mm-hmm. Just so I could do it and say I did. Because that's like, you always want what you, you, you don't have or what gets taken away, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I want it so bad, even though today's is such a horrible time to be a cop. But I, I used to, I used to have nightmares of being a cop when I was in the hospital, dude. Like I would be like dreaming about a traffic stop where I was like the cover officer mm-hmm. and like my partner would pull someone over and I was like on the passenger side of the car and all of a sudden he's fighting with this guy on the driver's side and I'm stuck in my body and I, yeah. can't, I can't run around mm-hmm. and I'm like watching this happen and I can't help him. Dude, that was like the worst. So I remember thinking to myself, okay, if you can't be back to what you could do before, then you're never going to do it again. Like I, I could, even if I could pass the M. Cole's physical exam, which is fairly easy to do. Yeah. I wouldn't do it unless I knew I could cover your ass if you were getting your ass kicked. Yep. Is that is that what kind of got you through all the PT and all the pain and all the other crap? Was or like the the thought of if I'm ever going to be a cop again, I'm gonna be a hundred percent. Yeah, I I truly thought I was honestly. I really thought at the time that I was gonna be a hundred percent like right away. I really did. I thought I was going to have a full recovery right away. Everybody even still believes that. A lot of people are like, dude, you're going to be good. I think a lot of people that are around me every day, they're like, no, like, like we're around you. You're pretty messed up, but you're getting better. You're walking better. But I think, um, especially when I don't see people for a long time and they see me like, dude, oh my God, you're, you're still recovering. Like you're, you're way better. And I am still getting a yeah. lot better. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing though. is like, I see why the doctor every day, he'd piss me off so fucking bad. He'd say, Dr. Ho, he's a great guy, but he would every day he said, listen, you are not going to be the same again. You're not going to be the same. You're never going to be able to run, jump a fence, and be a cop again. He'd say that. I don't know if he was trying to say that to piss me off a little bit, to help me, like, to get me to fight harder, because it, it, it worked. Yeah. I would go in thinking I'm going to prove him wrong, but now, four years later, I'm like, I see what he means. Like, a spinal cord injury is a very serious thing. Yeah. And you don't just get new nerves in your spinal cord. They can find new pathways, but they don't regenerate. Yeah. And I injured some pretty badly. And so, like, I don't care to be a cop again. I don't care to run again. I don't care to jump a fence and and be able to paddle a bicycle. I can't ride a bicycle. There's a lot of things I can't do. And I, I spent so much time, and I still spend so much time thinking about the shit that I can't do, just like everybody else. Like, oh, I, I don't have this. I don't have that. I can't do this. I can't do that. When you start like making a list of the shit that you can do and what you do have, that's a pretty big list. It's a pretty big list. I think America needs to make a list. Yeah. Yeah. They do. I think that you have an incredible story. And just hearing this, do you realize how long you've been talking for? Oh, probably close to an hour. About an hour and a half. It's easy. You've been rolling on this. Dang. Yeah. I could I could talk about it for a long time. Yeah. I know you can. Yeah. And the fact that the the one thing that stuck out to me is that you like how positive you stayed throughout this whole thing because i remember when i knew that you moved to grand rapids and i may have bumped into you at the gym once before your accident i don't i'm not sure if that happened or not it's possible i knew you were in grand rapids but you and i were on different paths i'd already been married i had a kid and i was pretty pretty homebound i was doing some other stuff and you were brand new in your career, young single guy, 21. You were, you know, doing the bar stuff. And maybe, maybe you were, maybe oh, you were. Okay, so you're, you're doing the bar stuff. Thursday um, through Sunday. Yeah. And so, like, I didn't see you. You were my buddy back in college. But, I, you know, once we we lived closer I'm, in Grand Rapids. I don't know if I even realized it. I, I thought I knew you were here. But I'll never forget. And I don't want to cut you off with what you're saying. But I... I, I 
I couldn't believe you showed up at the hospital. I was so shocked. You you came in like a suit. You came in all like in a suit, and I'm like, oh my god, Justin, you look great. You're like, What's up? <laughs> I was like, you look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't wrong. Oh man. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. that. That was wild. And um, yeah, you had a couple couple uh, police officers that were in the room there with you, and uh, I think I like they called him a companion officer, and it was a uh, I think it was a few different people, but Robert Swantek, a guy I got hired with, he was up there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and t- at times I f- forgot about that, I didn't realize it was him, but man, he was up there every day, yeah, every day, and I couldn't imagine what that felt like for him, you know, <sighs> yeah, and I think about that a lot too because I always you always got to think about other people, and man, like. That's what that's what motivated me, and and what you're saying is like have a positive attitude. Listen, I've been real, real freaking negative many, many times, dude. Like all the time, but I've also been positive a lot too. And I think a lot. I try to show that even if I'm not thinking positive, I try to perceive it as being positive. But I do that because I truly, really do care about the people that care about me, and I care about how they felt. And it really hurt me to see them so upset. Yeah, they're devastated, and it sucked. So I wanted to change that. So I try to make yeah. make it all fun and joke and as have a good time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think I said this to you, and I don't remember off the top of my head, because I want to say I was in there around, because you weren't in Mary Freebed yet. Oh, I was at the ICU. You were still in the ICU. I think it was- Called it the penthouse. I had the corner, the big room. Yeah, you, it was huge. I think it was June, July 13th. Yeah, so like, yeah. I think it was I think it was that date. I, I that it's in my mind for some reason. I don't remember the exact date. But I think I remember saying something cuz like everybody in the room, like I think your parents were there maybe and maybe your sister. I didn't really know them. I didn't really talk to them. Um I I felt a little odd to be there. It was almost like going give me some latitude on on this on these words here but it almost felt like i was going to a funeral of somebody like i knew their i knew them but i didn't know any of their family yeah. so you had some like family members in the room so i felt we a little bit we hadn't seen each other in a while yeah but and we, we really didn't know each other great either no we i mean we we had a couple classes together and you i think i i was like the class clown and yeah, i said <laughs> biology was fun yeah, we we, can, we we knew we, we knew each other enough. Yes, yeah, for sure. You're a good dude, and I, I think you helped me on like my biology homework that I flunked yeah, that you class. Did try to, you did try to cheat off me a few times. Yes, yes, I did. But I mean, like, as far as the way you came in there, like, what what was I like that day? Do you remember, like, how I felt and like what my attitude was? I was I so I was nervous going into the room, and you were the. It, it was a weird time in my life. Because you were actually, within a six-month span of time, you were like my second friend that had a really serious spinal injury. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, and I saw, you know, I didn't, I, we hadn't talked in a while, but I saw, I, I saw your parents tagging you and stuff on Facebook mm-hmm. and that, that group that got posted. I was mm-hmm. like, holy shit, like, Fonte is like... You know, in Grand Rapids right now, and you know he's probably he's probably struggling right now. I'm just, I'm just gonna pop in there and say hi. Yeah, and you were so positive about the whole thing, and you had you I could see that you had a good support system around mm-hmm. you. And then I think I might even crack the joke like, man, I hope your dick still works or something like yeah. that. <laughs> I think you did, and I probably lied to you and said it does. I'd get random boners, uh, and you don't have to edit that out at all. Apparently, with spinal injuries, you don't control them. So even when you when you truly hey. want, when you truly wanted one, you weren't gonna get it. <laughs> every now and again, but every now and again, it was there. It's like you're in middle school again. Yeah, it was just like 
Yeah, it's like a dog's tail. Just you had no control. And I'm just like the tail wags the dog. Yeah, it just happens sometimes. Oh, that's outstanding. Which was cool. Oh man, but yeah, but man, yeah. that's great. It, it meant a lot to see guys like you come up there that truly didn't know me that well as far as like like we weren't in talk we weren't in co- conversation every day like we knew each other from like classes and stuff and when you came up there man like that that really made me feel good like that's why I was positive because you came up and were like there and I'm like man that guy came to see me like that that mattered to me and that really was that was beautiful man yeah that was cool I really appreciate that yeah and then you know to wrap this up subsequently just you know See, one of the things that motivated me a lot was, you know, in the the coming years, because what was that, 2016? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've seen you, I don't know, once a month at the gym for the last four years or something like that, ever since you recovered, got back on your feet. And, you know, you working out at Mary Freebed YMCA at the downtown YMCA, mm-hmm. like seeing you there every now and again. It was like, you know, you were, you were walking with a cane for a while. And it's like, oh, Travis is in here working his ass off, you know, my legs work just fine. Like what's your, what's my excuse? You know what I'm saying? And so the motivation changed from, you know, this kid just had a life threatening accident and he survived and overcame it. Wow. That's, that's really inspiring to, you know, Hey, he's, you know, he's fighting through the spinal cord injury and he's got his legs back and he's working to make his body do what he's telling it to. I so. like I want to say something that you just made me think about. It's funny cuz I actually was motivated by watching other people look at me. Uh first off, every day I'm self-conscious about the injury and and I don't know if that'll ever go away. It it took it was hard for me to be in the wheelchair. I used to wheel into Mary Freebed and put 5-pound plates on the barbell and f- transfer from my chair to the weight bench and lift it. Man, it was so hard to be around other people up on their legs and being in a wheelchair after having what I had prior. And I felt so different and uh, being, you know, just the, the looks you get, you know, the constant people looking at you and stuff. And But I chose to, like, let it, like, thrive and burn the fire up because they were, like, I'd watch people, I, I'd, I'd watch myself work harder than someone that was jacked. And, and they I'd look over and then they'd work twice as hard because they're like holy shit look at this guy like he's he i'm grabbing i'm putting freaking 40 pound dumbbells on my lap on my wheelchair wheeling back over setting it down going back grabbing another one bringing it back transferring to the chair reaching down grabbing them and then chest pressing them and then i watch everybody else start working harder and that was awesome yeah Mm -hmm. so that was really cool but, oh man! Well, yeah, we could, I could talk wrap. about I could talk about this for 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 days. So yeah, maybe what we could do is um, when we bring you back, because we will bring you back because this was outstanding. This was better than Billy's. No offense to Billy, but yeah. this was this was outstanding. Like I was on the verge of tears I like mean, several okay. times. To be fair, Billy doesn't have no. Like it's hard it's hard to compete with the story. Like yeah this. The, yeah you have an incredible Billy, story. Great. But we love you, Billy, sorry. but <laughs> but we will bring you back. Maybe Billy, I don't know you. Do. You sound like a good guy. Yeah, listen to the, yeah, the Out of the Rut episode uh, episode three on the way home, Travis. Right. You'll have some time to Let's do it. But I want to have you back. What we should do is we should talk more specifically about your road to recovery because I think there's there's as much information there probably as you know your accident is like a it's an incredible story. And how, and the people that, you know, showed up to save you, like, those guys are heroes, and they deserve all the credit in the world. Honestly, if you were, 
able to reach out to some of those people and they wanted to come on and talk about it too, I think that would be awesome. Oh, that would be outstanding. That would be super cool. That would be outstanding. The guy that took charge, do you know, do you know, have you circled back with any of those guys? I have his phone number and we have yet to actually get together. Um, We've talked about it. Bro, what if we facilitated the reunion on a podcast? Yeah, that'd be crazy. That would be outstanding. I would drive up north for that shit. Yeah, because I think he's still up in like the Boyne area. Yeah, my folks live in Gaylord, dude. We could, we could make a weekend trip up there and we could post up in my parents' house. It's a beautiful area. Oh my goodness. Anyway, there's a million different directions we could take this, Mm -hmm. but I just I really appreciate you coming on and and sharing your story. Um, you you seem very comfortable doing it. It, it probably isn't the easiest thing in the world dre- dragging up some of those old memories, um, but I do appreciate it and I'm very proud to call you my friend. And um, we will uh, we'll definitely start doing some of this uh, stuff soon. So if you're still listening, I want to thank you for tuning into this episode. And if you're still with us, you're one of the greatest human beings on the face of the planet. Again, uh, we, I, I, any contributions that you make to our work is greatly appreciated via our Patreon account. Um, but the most important thing you can do is like, share, and subscribe on all social platforms at Rakowski Pod. And we really look forward to you turning, tuning into the next episode. And have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. Bye.